Phil? I am continuing a series. It'll be this week and it'll be next week. And then I'm kicking off a brand new series in October called Devil. And, uh, well, basically, it's about the devil. And uh, we're gonna, basically, I'm going to talk about what the Bible says about our enemy. And you'll definitely want to be here. It's going to be in the entire month of October. But I'm continuing today's series called uh, This is Home. We've talked about This is Home. We've, we've been talking about what our mission is. We've been talking about how we're passionate about the church. Then one, one week, we talked about how we're passionate about connect groups. We'd like to say something here at Faith Co. Church. Don't do life alone. God has not called us to do life alone. Get connected. And then last week, we talked about how we are passionate about serving. Somewhere, we hope that you get involved serving. There's a lot of different areas to serve, but we think that that's, that that's one of the goals and the purpose of the church. Well, I want to continue today, and I want to talk about one of the most important things that we're passionate about in our, in our house, and that is evangelism. Let's begin with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to serve, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be a part of your church. I pray, God, that, that we eliminate all distractions from our minds, and I know, Lord, the enemy would like to distract us from what you want people to experience here today. So I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every person, and as the words go forth, it will change the hearts and the lives of people, and we thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... I want you to look at your neighbor and say, every person matters. Say it again with a, like I say it, every person matters. Uh, you know, I, I, want you, I want you to get that into your heart because I'm going to be saying that a lot in this message. In 2 Timothy 4 and 1, 2 Timothy 4 and 1, I don't know if we have the scripture here, so if you have your Bible. Hey, did you, when's the last time you brought your Bible to church? Uh, okay, let's stay focused. So, or your phone, or whatever, and, and, and just remember this verse, 2 Timothy 4 and 1, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off with myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist to fulfill your ministry. Let me ask you a question. What if you knew you only had a short time to live and you were going to write a letter to your son or to your daughter? What would you say to him? What would you say to her? I mean, just think about that for a second. This is the Apostle Paul. He had a spiritual son. He referred to him as his spiritual son. This was Timothy. This was the Gospel of Timothy, the second letter that he sent to Timothy. And what we believe here, what scholars believe, was these were the last words. These last two chapters in Timothy were the last words of the last letter that Paul ever wrote. And he decided to write his last letter and his last words to his spiritual son and his young apprentice, Timothy. And here's what he said to him. Let me back up a little bit and I'm going to break this down. He says, first of all, Timothy, I charge you. 
In other words, I command you. And one translation says, in the Greek it says, I'm going to burden you with what I'm about to tell you. And then I'm going to, I'm, and, and then to make it, to bring some brevity to it and make it weighty, he says, he says, in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge, and in view of what God is going to do in the future, I want to tell you something, and here's what I'm telling you, Timothy. No matter what, preach the word. And then he says, be ready in every situation. One translation says, be instant, in season and out of season. When it's convenient, when it's inconvenient, Timothy, I want you to be ready to preach the word. Why? The third verse says, for a time is coming when people are not going to endure sound doctrine and they will turn away from the truth. Another translation says that they will reject the truth and they will bring to themselves or they will follow after teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. So they don't have to adhere to the truth. They're in fact going to reject the truth and follow after people and they will find teachers who will tell them what they want to hear so it won't be so controversial. So it won't be so it will go along with their pattern of life. In the fifth verse is he says Timothy, in order to fulfill your ministry, he says this, fulfill your ministry, Timothy, by doing three things. First of all, keep a sober mind. Keep your thinking straight because the enemy is going to fight your way of thinking and you're going to think differently about things as you grow in ministry. The second thing you need to do to fulfill your ministry, Timothy, is to endure suffering. Sometimes or many times living for God for you, Timothy, as a pastor, as, as a New Testament church, it's not going to be easy. When, when we think of suffering, we think of, you know, our job griped us out. Suffering in those days is you didn't know if you were going to live, if you were going to be thrown into the Colosseum, to, to, to the lions. You didn't know. But he was telling Timothy, Timothy endures suffering. And the last thing he says to him to fulfill your ministry is to do the work of the evangelist. Let me ask you a question. When I say the word evangelist, be an evangelist, if I were to tell you, hey, you need to do the work of an evangelist, what do you think of? What do you think of uh, when I say evangelist? Well, if you were to look up the word evangelist in the dictionary, it says this. It says, and this is a secular worldview of an evangelist. It is a person who tries to convert others to the Christian faith. Now, that's what, I, that's what you would normally think of, but if you look up the word evangelist in its original meaning, in its Greek meaning, it means this, one who announces good news. That's what an evangelist is, somebody who announces good news. Now, what is the definition of good news? Well, or the definition of gospel is good news. So we're never really meant, or we're not so meant to convert others we're not trying to just get people to think like us, convert others. We're not in some kind of a pyramid scheme to get partners. and That's not what this is about. This is about sharing the gospel and in Matthew 29, 18, making disciples. I'm not trying to convert people to my way of thinking and to my religion. I'm not trying to convert people. I'm going to share the good news. And when they cross the line, I'm going to make disciples. That's an evangelist. Nowhere in the Bible... Does the Bible tell us, or the Bible tell people from the world to come to the church? But the Bible is clear that we are to go into the world. Listen to me. 
This is our why. And sometimes we forget our why as a church. Sometimes we get so busy trying to build the church, especially if you're a church leader, especially if you're a pastor. You get so busy trying to build the church. Uh, my week, what I do on weekends as far as preaching is very small compared to, I do, to what I do throughout the week. I'm so busy throughout the week leading, trying to build the church. And if you're not careful, as a leading church, you get so busy building the church that you forget why you're building the church. And the reason that, we, that, the reason that we're building a church is because that there are people that are lost that need to be saved. And every person matters. That's our why. And we can never lose sight of our why. At Faith Co. Church, we exist to fulfill the Great Commission. It's why we started, and it's why we exist. And the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, Fulfill your ministry, Timothy, by being an evangelist. So that's our why. What about our how? What does this look like? Can I say this? It's easier than what you think. If I was to tell you, you need to do the work of an evangelist, You might say, well, what does that look like? I want to tell you, it's easier than you think. I believe it is. I believe in order to reach people for Christ, the number one thing that you got to do is be a Christian. Be a Christian. Sweet. It's working. I can't. Be a Christian. Blank screen. Thank you, guys. Is be a Christian. Notice that I did not say act like a Christian. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you act like Christ. We've all been victims of people who acted like Christians. Or we've all acted like Christians that were mean Christians. Let me tell you something. The meanest person that you ever met is a mean Christian. Are you hearing me? And if I were to say, hey, you need to act like a Christian, listen to me. If I were to say that, you'd say, which Christian? Christian is not, Christian isn't, not, is, is, isn't only our religion, it's our identity. Are you hearing me? And, if I, and I'm not telling you to, to act like Christians, I'm telling you to act like Christ. Ephesians 5 and 1 tells us how to do this. When I say act like, when I say to be a Christian, I mean to live as Christ. And it's explained in Ephesians 5 and 1. It says this, imitate God. Well, how in the world do you do that? Imitate God. How in the world would we do that? Well, the Bible says that Jesus was God in the flesh. All right? He was God in the So when it says to imitate God, it's talking about what did Jesus do when he walked on the earth? Therefore, in everything you do because you are his children, live a life filled with what? Live a life filled with, is it up there? Okay, let's try this again. Live a life filled with? Live a life filled with love. That's the first thing. If you're going to act like Christ, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself. He gave himself. He invested himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And then it goes a step further, our example of Christ. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Stop acting like a Christian and act like Christ. The first part, the first part or the first part of this passage of Scripture deals with the example of love. 
I believe this is what Jesus' evangelism strategy looked like. He would minister and he would serve to people and he would love people and then he would share the gospel. And you can see this time and time again in the gospels. He would minister to the needs of people and he would reach out and show them that he cared for them and that he would love them and then he would minister to the truth. If you were sick, he would minister to your healing or he would heal you and then he would speak the truth in love and in hope and he would speak hope. If you were poor and you were hungry, he would feed you. Then he spoke truth and love and he offered hope. If you were rich, he would minister to you and he would speak love and truth and hope and he would challenge you in your finances. If you were sinful, he would reach out and show you love. Even when you, even when you were a sinner, even when people condemned you, he would forgive you, show you love, speak hope and truth and love. That was our first example, to walk in love. The second part of the passage emphasizes a godly lifestyle. Listen to me. Love is the most important attribute that we can show a world that needs Jesus, but it is incomplete. Love is incomplete without truth. Our lives are, if you're going to be an evangelist, love is the most important thing. It is the first thing, but it is incomplete. There is also lifestyle. It, 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 how you live matters. It looks like this. Love plus lifestyle plus the gospel reaches people. Let me say it again. Love plus lifestyle, a godly lifestyle, plus the gospel is how we reach people. If we're really going to be a Christian, we got to stop trying to act like a Christian and act like Christ. Follow his example. If you believe that, say amen. So number one is be a Christian. Number two, and I only got two points. The second one is to be a soul winner. I mean, really be a soul winner. Not just, not just go to church and not just, okay, if the opportunity ever arises, really be a person that wins souls. In fact, the, God, the, the, the scripture tells us, I believe it's in Proverbs that says, he that wins souls is wise. There is some wisdom in reaching people and saving people. people. Being a soul winner, it's not just what we do, it's who we are. This is what we do at Faith Co. Church. This is why we exist. And we've been given clear instructions as far as reaching people. In the New Testament, in Colossians 4 and 5, it says this. Listen to this scripture. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely. How you live in front of people matters. So take wisdom in how you live. Take care. Be careful how you live in front of somebody that doesn't know the Lord. The second thing that he says, make the most of every opportunity. What opportunity? An opportunity. An opportunity is every time that you are in a conversation with somebody that doesn't know Christ. We are to see that as an opportunity. That doesn't mean that you need to you know, start sharing the gospel. That just means that when you have a conversation with them, it goes on in the sixth verse and says this. See it as an opportunity, and here's what this looks like. It says, let your conversation, the conversation that you're having, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Are you telling me that it matters how we talk to me? Let it be conversation. Don't be pushing people away with your gospel. Show some wisdom. See conversations with people that aren't believers. See as an opportunity, and then... Let your conversation be attractive and gracious 
So you will have the right response. At Faith Co. Church, we have an evangelism strategy that we call Reach One. Have you heard of this before? If you've been going here very long, that's what these bracelets say. You probably got one when you went through a growth tracker the first time you were here. The idea of that evangelism strategy is that we are, it fulfills the great commission to reach our world and make disciples, reaching the world one person at a time. I believe it was about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I was, I was home, I was preparing for a message, and I was thinking about all the things that were going in or going through the church or happening in the church, and I was frustrated about a few things, and it wasn't happening as fast as I wanted it to happen, and I was just really frustrated, and I began to pray and ask God about some direction, and Lord, what are we going here? What are we going to do here? And finally, after praying for an extended amount of time, and this is what usually happens, you get down to the basics. You finally pray what you really need to pray. Are you hearing me? You, you, you get the frustration out, and it's just a process. You get the frustration out, you're upset about something, something didn't happen, you got hurt, and you go, actually, as you pray, you get, go all the way to what the issue is. And I remember I was praying, Lord, help us to reach the lost souls of Shawnee. I mean, if you want to really talk about what Faith Co. is about and why we're here and why we started a church, it was to reach people with the gospel. So I just started praying, Lord, I pray that you will help us to reach the lost souls of Shawnee. In fact, Lord, help us to reach many, many people for Christ. Lord, help us to reach as many people as possible. And I began to pray this and pray this. And I took a break and I was just sitting there. It's hard for God to speak to you when you're doing all the talking. You know, communicating prayer to God is sometimes it's being silent and letting God speak to you through his spirit. And I believe that God spoke to me through his spirit and said this to me, hey, can you reach just one person? Instead of thinking about reaching masses amounts of people, can you reach just one person? And from there, I began to think about that. Yeah. What if, what if instead of reaching massive amounts of people, what if I, I made my evangelism personal and I went after one person? In fact, I took that one person that I was at the gym or that I saw and I wrote that person down in my prayer journal and every single week I brought them up to God and I used this evangelism strategy. I thought about what Jesus said and I used this evangelism strategy and I prayed about them when I saw him at the gym or when I saw them at, at another place in our community, I just talked to him. That's all I did. I just talked to him. I made friends with him. And then I became interested in his life. That's the, that's the idea of, of Reach One. Why do we do Reach One? Reach One is, is a strategy that we have given for reaching people. I mean, think about it for a second. We have a plan and a strategy for every success in our lives except for our calling. Think about it. For every success that you ever had, you had a plan and a strategy. And this is our calling in life as Christians. And if we're not careful, we don't have a strategy for this. And the Bible is clear that we need to have a plan for it. What if we made a plan? Reaching the world one person at a time, that is reach one. The idea is to bring intentionality to reaching people for Christ. Why? Because evangelism is supposed to be personal. It's supposed to be personal. And every person matters. Say that with me. Every person matters. One more time. Every person matters. So I wrote this down. 
and my actions of reach one. Here's what this looks like. Guys, do you have that table? Does it work? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose one person. Now, if along my path that I see two people or whatever, that's fine. But I'm going to focus on one person. I got this one guy that I've been trying to reach for Christ probably four years. And the third year, I marked him out because I was mad at him. Because he just won't do it. But I put him back on my list. <laughs> That's terrible. I shouldn't I should admit to that as a pastor. But he just won't. I can't get him. But I'm not. I don't invite him to church. I just stay after him. I, I try to get him to come to different events. Man, if I ever get this guy in church, it's going to be awesome. But I pray for him. I still have him in my journal. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose one person. Here's what it says to this person. Here's what it says to that guy. It says, I matter. I'm not trying to fill a list. I'm not trying to fill seats in the church, and I'm not checking another person off on my list. No, it, it makes it personal. It, it's a matter. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to invest in his life. And I'm not doing it because I'm supposed to do it, and the Bible says. I'm, I'm going to be interested in I'm going to invest in his life. I'm going to, if I'm sitting by, beside this person at Little League softball or baseball games, I'm going to ask him about his life. I'm going to ask him about his wife. I'm going to ask him about his kids. When when he goes through something, I'm going to ask him. I might shoot him a text and say, hey, man, what's going on? How'd that work out? If he's sick, I might check on him. And I'm just going to do it for no reason. But I love this guy, and I care about him. I'm going to invest. I'm going to make a personal investment in his life. And here's what this says. I care. You know, a lot of times we can't reach people for Christ because they know that we don't care about them. They just, they're just trying to build a great church. They really don't care about me. They just think their church is cool. But if you invest in someone, it says I care. And then after I've invested his life and only after I have invested in him and we're friends or whatever, then I'm going to invite him to church. That's how you reach people. Listen, I've, 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 reached, I've, I've done it a lot of different ways growing up Pentecost. When we first started this church, before we ever opened the doors, back in 1999, before we launched our service, our first service, we drew a line at MacArthur on a map and knocked on every door north of MacArthur because, you know, logistically, there was about 30 of us, and we knocked on every door we possibly could and handed out flyers and talked about, you know, this new church in Shawnee. I don't know, maybe 10 people came after thousands of flyers. And I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if that's very effective anymore. I'm not saying you can't do it, but I don't know if that's effective. But I do know this, this is, in fact, this is effective. Amen. This reaches people. Because when you, if you, after you choose somebody, you invest in his life, you invite him to church, what that says is, I'm with you. Hey, I'm going to be with you at church. Actually, about a few years ago, there was a guy that I met here at the back doors. He got invited to church, but the friend that invited him to church didn't show up, and he was looking around for him like, who was he? I'll talk to him for you. This says, I'm not just sending you to church. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to sit by you. We're going to do this. We're going to do this making disciples together. I'm going to be there with you. And that's, what, that's how you reach people for Christ. In fact, I believe that is the most effective. It's not the only way, but I believe it is the most effective way because it is the most personal. And that's why we plan our weekend worships to take certain care in how we reach people because we want to partner with you. 
And I guarantee you, if you will reach people this way and you bring people, you finally get your reach one person to come to church. I promise you I will do my dead level best not to embarrass you. (laughs) Because I know what it feels like to bring somebody to church and think, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Okay? I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like for you to, to work and put time in somebody and know the, the depravity of their lives and what they're going through in the week. And you talk to them on the phone and they were crying and they were hurting and he lost his wife and he, he did cocaine last Saturday night. And you're talking to him about how God can change his life. And you finally get him to church and the drummer doesn't know how to play at all. And the preacher preaches a lame duck. And you look over and your friend is passed out in the pew. That's a true story. And that's one of the reasons why I started a church. I felt terrible. I did all this work to get this guy in church. And I talked to him for a week. And then I I felt like I failed him by bringing him to church. We're not going to do that, I promise. We're going to do everything that we can to get the weird factor out of here, okay? Except for the weird people. We got a few weird people. And I'm not talking bad about other churches. I would never do that. But I'm telling you, we want to partner with you. And we're going to do our very best. And that's why we're a little bit different. That if you work hard and invest in somebody's life and you bring them to church through personal evangelism, that we're going to give them an opportunity to come to Christ. And that's why we don't ask people to walk the aisles. And you've heard me say this before. That's, that's why we do what we do. Because we want to help you bring your reach one person to Christ. Amen? My prayer for you is that you won't just be a Christian, but you will be a soul winner. And if you'll be a soul winner, we'll help you. If you'll, if you'll commit to reach people for Christ... Listen, one of the best things that you can do is bring your friend to Bikes for Kids. Bring your unbelieving anti-church friend to Bikes for Kids, and they see the church love the community for no, nothing in return. That's one of the most evangelical things that you can do. This last week, we had a, a men's event where we brought guys in. The first thing that they did when they came in is they had free barbecue, pulled pork, baked beans, potato salad, peach turnovers, Fudge, all kinds of, I'm getting hungry. They had all of that. We brought them in here and we just, we talked about World War II and we shared the gospel with them. We didn't do anything weird and we didn't take an offering. We did all that for them and didn't ask anything from them. We just said, guys, come and be a part of what we do here. Why? Because we're trying to partner with you. We know you invited your friends. We're trying to reach people for Christ. Why? Because every person matters your friend matters to us that person that God has put in your life those people around you at work that that you're praying for I don't know him I don't know her but they matter to us and we're thinking about them and we're praying for them on Monday and on Tuesday we're praying we we don't mention their names because we don't know them but we're praying that God will deal with you and that people will come to Christ and if you're sitting there and you're thinking hey Travis I get this, man. I get it. We're supposed to be evangelists. You've preached this before. Why are you bringing it up today? Well, let me answer that by sharing this with you. 
Luke 15 says this. There's a parable, and I'm going to close with this. There's a parable in Luke 15 of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And he looks around one evening and he counts all of his sheep. Why is he counting all of his sheep? Because every person or every sheep matters. Okay, this, it's an example of Jesus. He looks around and he's counting and he, I, I bet he counted two or three times. 97, 98, 99, 99. Oh, she's gone again. And he looks around and one's gone. So the Bible says he spends the night looking and searching and goes to great lengths to find the one that is lost. And then Jesus says after that parable, he says this in Matthew 18 and 14. He says, in the same way, it is not my heavenly father's will. That even one is lost. Yes, there might be one that is lost. Yes, there might be somebody that you can't reach, but it's not the Father's will. And he wants us to be concerned about even the one that is lost. Yeah, but we got 99. We're good. We got 99. That's not the way God thinks. He cares about the one that is lost that one, that, that shepherd, when he was looking and the way Jesus was telling the story, okay, the 99 are safe. We're going to leave them. They're, they're good. We're going to do whatever it takes to find that one that is lost because every person matters. In Luke 19 and 10, Jesus says this, and I believe that he was given his mission statement. He says, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. I've come to seek, I've come to find them, and I've come to save them. And I'm all about those who are lost. A while back, I had the opportunity to officiate a funeral. When I got done, there was a guy sitting back there, and they were telling stories about the guy that had passed away. And I met this guy. His name's Carl. Can you guys, yeah, can you guys see that? The guy on the right, that's Carl. This handsome dude over here. No, I, I got to, just for a second, he was, it, it was warm outside. I got to talk to Carl. Carl is a World War II veteran. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to sit down and talk to a World War II veteran, but it'll be one of the most interesting conversations that you've ever had. I would recommend that you do that. Probably within the next decade or so, we might not have a lot of these guys around anymore. And if you do get the opportunity, thank him or thank her, because it, had it not been for the sacrifice of these guys, we'd all be speaking German. Are you with me? But I said, Carl, he mentioned that he was a soldier, but Carl was a little bit more than a soldier. He was a medic. So he was that guy that had that cross on his helmet. He was that guy. So I said, Carl, man, you were a medic. You probably saved so many lives. 
He said, yeah, I saved a lot of lives. I had the opportunity to save a lot of lives. And he was very grateful for the opportunity. He's just, just an interesting guy. And I said, how many do you think you saved? He said, man, I can't tell you. And he kind of looked off to the right and got to thinking. It's almost like he went back in time to moments in time as he began to tell me this story. He said, Travis, I can't tell you all the lives I saved. He said, I've had, year, I've had many people come up to me throughout the years and thank me. People I, I didn't even know that I knew that thanked me for saving their lives. He said, there's been too many. I can't tell you how many people I saved. But then he said this, and I'll never, ever forget these words. He said, I can't remember all the ones that I've saved, but I can tell you this. I'll never forget every one that I lost. Yeah, it had that effect on me, <laughs> what you're thinking right now. I thought about that. I talked to him for a few minutes more, and I got in my truck, and I went home. And all the way home, I thought about those words. I'll never forget. I'll never be able to forget the ones that I lost. And then I got to thinking about what we do here, what I do at church, what we do here, what we do in, within the realm of eternity. Because at the end of the day, the way God sees the world is in two categories. People that are saved and people that are lost. And if you really think about that, it'll change the way you see people. I wonder if it would affect this a little bit more. I wonder what kind of impact it would have on the church. I wonder what kind of Christians that we would be. I wonder what kind of servants we would be in the house of God. If every person we saw in our life, we saw them as people that were saved people that were lost. One of these days when this life is over, the only thing that will matter is if you're saved or if you're lost. And my prayer for you today is that God will make you a soul winner. I mean, if even more than we are, that God will make us a soul winner. And I'm, I'm trying to give you an easy way, an easy formula. Hey, just do two things. Be a Christian, which means act like Christ, and be a soul winner. If everybody would do those two things, man, we would have to build on the Faith Co. Church in a year. I want to challenge you today. Don't just act like a Christian. Be a Christian. Be a soul. Don't just think of yourself as a person that wins souls, but be a soul winner. And let God work mightily through your life. To win as many people as possible, one person at a time, because evangelism is supposed to be personal, and every person matters. Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to every heart and every life, God, and I ask you, Lord, to minister to people wherever we are. And I thank you, Lord, if we're being confronted today to change, I thank you, Lord, for that, that you care about us enough for that. So, Lord, I pray that you will bless every person in our ears and our hearts, that we will be receptive to what you want to say to us. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, if we don't know you today, if there are people here that don't know you, I pray, Lord, that they will give their lives to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and I want to speak to you as a church. 
Maybe you're here today and, and God is dealing with your heart. Maybe you have forgotten your purpose. When we forget our purpose, our way becomes corrupt. And a lot of times we live a life that is not pleasing to God because we have forgotten our purpose. Can I tell you something? You are so important to the kingdom of God. Your life matters more than what you realize. You're better than what you're doing. God has a purpose for your life, and there are people around you that don't know Jesus and will not know Jesus unless you become an evangelist. It's not about your walk with God. Yes, you live for God. Yes, he's Lord and Savior. But are you doing the work of an evangelist? Are you being a Christian? Are you being a soul winner? And if God is speaking to you today about this, I want to pray with you right now. If you're seated next to somebody you're close to or you love, take that person by the hand. And let's pray together as members of Faith Coach Church. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person here that you're speaking to. And I believe that you're talking to people right now and that you are challenging us to do the work of the evangelist. So I pray, Lord, that, that, Lord, you will deal with us, that you will help us to open up our eyes to see people around us as either saved or lost. And, Lord, I pray that we have a strategy and we are intentional about bringing people to Christ. And this is something that it's on our mind, the Great Commission that's been given to us. I pray that we won't waste our time, but we will see people, we, we will see conversations with people that don't know you as opportunities. And that our conversations will be gracious. That our conversations and our actions will be filled with love as Jesus did. And that Faith Co. Church, like never before, will be a soul-winning church filled with evangelists. In the name of Jesus, if you receive it, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life, for whatever reason, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you walked away from God at some time in your life, whatever. Maybe you're here and you don't know or something's going on. Travis, I know that I'm not right with God and I want to be right with God. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. I won't embarrass you as we always do. I won't ask you to come down here. I won't single you out. And I won't ask you to stand. Nothing like that. I just want to say a prayer. And you can pray it with me. And you can be in good standing. You can be right with God. I just want to know if I'm praying for people. So very quickly, if you're here and you can say, Travis, that's me. I'm not right with God. But if you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you. Just slip your hand up and slip it down so I know I'm praying for people. Can anybody say, I see your hand over here on the right. I see your hand in the middle. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody over on this side to my left? Anybody else? I'll ask one more time, then we're going to pray. I know we had a couple, but I make sure I didn't miss anybody. One more time. Anybody? Travis, that's me. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. Okay, we're going to pray, and I'd like the entire church to pray with us together. And if you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with us. Mean it with all your heart. Give your life to Christ. Be a part of his church. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. 
And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean and whole. I confess that I believe in you, Lord, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, my life is committed to you. Now take my life and use it for your cause. In the name of Jesus, amen.